0: You are listening to the Mindful Psychology Podcast, a podcast designed to explore mindfulness, psychology, neuroscience, and various aspects of holistic health. My name is Jen. I'm your host. I'm also a therapist, an educator, and a yoga teacher. Join me and brilliant guests as we explore various topics and offer you actionable steps so that you can be informed and intentional about your health and well-being. Now sit back, relax, maybe take a notebook out, and let's dive in. Hi everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of the Mindful Psychology Podcast. My name is Jen, I'm your host and today I am joined by a very special guest, Ashley. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Why don't you go ahead and and, uh, tell everybody who you are, what you do, how you got to where you are and uh, why you do the work that you do.
1: Of course. That's a big question. Um, a <laughs> I mean, <of> I, <laughs> I, um, I run a company called Mala Collective. We make different tools and products and practices to help inspire and support a meditation practice. So everything from meditation cushions to mala beads to crystals and guided meditations. And it's been 10 years now, which is wild. Um, but before this, I actually used to be a journalist. So I used to cover murder trials, which wow. is probably the most opposite version of what I'm doing now. So I'm very grateful, very, very grateful to be in this work. And um, I can share a bit about how we started the business because it is... very serendipitous unique founder story but uh, at the time 10 years ago my partner and I we you know maybe hit what you would call a quarter life crisis we really loved our jobs but we we knew there was something more so we we quit our jobs, went traveling ended up in Bali where most people end up when they're on some form of a soul-searching journey Mm -hmm. and we fell in love with these mala beads and mala beads are a string of beads that you can use in a meditation practice And we fell in love with them and we kept going back and buying them. And we were traveling from Bali to Thailand and this lady came up to us on the plane and said, Oh, I love your aura. Uh, Can we sit and talk to you? So she starts talking to us and she turns out to be the woman who made the beads that we had bought. So just this serendipitous meeting on a plane is how our business started. And um so it's 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 been a beautiful journey. I mean, the why I do what I do is in the beginning it was very serendipity, accidental, naive, and now I'm, you know, very passionate about helping people find that space within themselves to connect with themselves, to live with purpose, live with intention, um, and that's you know guided our business for the past ten years. And the last thing I'll say is um, I've I've now stepped into coaching and helping people either to develop a business or step into purpose or be of service and. You know, I think we all have that feeling that there we have so much more potential or there's something that we want to step into. and helping lovingly guide people to that place is now um, something i'm I'm so grateful to do and so passionate about.
0: I love that so much. That was really beautiful. I'm, I have so many questions now. Um, <laughs> I guess the first one would be, like if any, are there th- like what are the things from what you were doing before that that helped guide you to what you do now? Like, are there any links there? Did anything happen where you were like, going from one extreme to the other is, like, was it on purpose? Was it, I mean, obviously yes, you talked about yeah. how it's
1: all that, but is there a link there from seeing what you used to see to? Mm. That's a great question. I think, well, I'll, I'll speak to a few things here. So I'd say as a journalist, I was very curious. I got, I got paid to be curious and ask questions. And I would say the, the thing that has led me in business is my curiosity. And 10 years ago, meditation wasn't as big as it is now and i mean that in the sense that it wasn't as normalized to talk about i think now most people very openly talk about their meditation practice but 10 years ago it it was something that i had to do a lot of research on i had to find people ask questions then start writing about it so i'd say that journalistic side really lent itself but i would also say the the lack of confidence in starting a business having been a journalist I struggled from so much self-doubt of thinking I'm not good enough to run this because I don't have an MBA or I don't have a finance background, I don't have this background. And you know, 10 years later now I realized oh I didn't need any of those things to start a business, but I really blocked myself energetically and mentally and emotionally thinking I did. So there's so many, you know, anybody ever starting a business, whatever you're doing before. There's such beautiful threads that will tie in to support the entrepreneurial journey, even if it's not as black and white as an MBA or accounting or, you know, whatever that background that you think you need, you actually don't need it.
0: Absolutely. I agree. I agree. And um, and if we shift toward more of the meditation stuff for now, I just want to have people understand what, like how you can use mala
1: beads in your practice. Of course, of course, and I mean, I'll I'll start by saying you actually don't need mala beads in your practice, but they are a really beautiful tool to support, especially as a beginner, and and also you know I've been using them for ten years and I still use them in my practice, so you know, beginner or not, they're they're a beautiful support. So if you think about meditation. Most people think that meditation is this moment where you sit down and have no thoughts, which is a very intimidating approach to meditation. You're going to have thoughts. That's just a totally normal human experience. Having a mala is something to bring your focus back to when your mind starts to wander. So say you're sitting for five minutes, maybe 30 seconds, and you hear a dog bark. <laughs> you get distracted and start you know, going off on an avenue. You come back, oh, I have this thing in my hands. I have this beautiful bead in my hands. And you come back and you breathe into that. And then a few seconds later, maybe your leg falls asleep or maybe your tummy grumbles or maybe you start thinking about dinner or you start replaying a conversation. Whatever it is, it's all going to happen. Coming back to something tactile and having that focus of energy and intention and attention to something that's physical is a really beautiful way to guide a practice. So that's that's the foundation of how you use it.
0: I love that. Yeah, no, I think monobids are great. (laughs) And I I love having something physical as well. I think even with with focusing in general, I I like to be fidgeting with things. It was like that in studies too. Like I'd fidget with something or I'd, I'd need to do something with my hands and it actually made me listen better. I've always found it quite yes. helpful to, to have like that part of my brain be occupied and then the rest of my brain can do what I'm trying to make it do <laughs> or what it, or yes. what it, yes. Yes. it do in that moment. But yeah. And, um, and so the other
1: things that you, so then after this meeting uh, and you, you guys came back from Bali. That's right. Yeah. I came back from Bali and um, my partner and I at the time, we started it and his parents basically the suite and, it was, we, we started to grow naturally and we, we actually launched with Lululemon and did a co-branded product with them, which was really cool. And and then, you know, we started with mala beads, went into cushions, went into crystals. And I, and I was just very curious, seeing how much the malas affected people's lives. You know, we would get emails saying, this mala helped me through divorce, it helped me through abuse, it helped me through a sex change, it helped me through whatever this journey of transition was in their life. The, this mala represented a token of that. And I became, you know, really, really curious of what else can we create that can not only support that self-connection, but can hold people through that experience. So that's that's been the, the evolution of what we've been doing. And like I mentioned, that that reflects in guided meditations too. And we try to offer a lot of free education because you don't need anything to meditate. You just need your breath but if you feel a cushion helps you or a voice can help narrate your journey for you, it's, um, it's trying to just provide as many different tools as we can to help you figure out your best version of meditation. Cause everyone practices a little bit differently and I'm not a big fan of the black and white, right and wrong way of meditating.
0: Absolutely. So, yeah. Same. Can you uh, elaborate a bit more on that or what, if people are wondering what that would be for you, a black and white way of Of course. Med-
1: yeah. I think that when, you know, meditation is such a personalized internal journey that everyone's experience is so different. So when you're in a yoga class, maybe you look beside you and somebody's in a side angle pose, you can adjust your hips and your arms and your body to mimic that. But when you're in meditation maybe you open your eyes and you look beside you, oh my gosh, that person's meditating so good. And my eyes are open. and I am so bad at this. And then maybe five seconds later, you close your eyes and they open their eyes and look at you. And you're, you're in this self spiral of judgment when you think you're a bad meditator, or maybe you have mm-hmm. visions, maybe you hear voices, maybe you feel things. So everybody has a very personalized journey. And I think that the biggest thing I share about meditation is building the habit and building the practice is actually the most important. Mm-hmm. One of my teachers said to me, once you practice every day for 200 days, then you can worry about technique and form. So a lot of people focus on you must sit this way, you must breathe this way, you must use a mantra, you must do this. Really, that's that's there's so many approaches to get there. If you're comfortable lying down, then lie down. If you're comfortable sitting in a chair, sit in a chair. If you're comfortable sitting on a cushion, then do that. Do what's comfortable for you to build the habit. And then you can start exploring the different versions. Often we'll look at those adjustments, those right and wrong, those black and white, as forms of aversion, as forms to avoid because we want to do it perfect. But meditation is not about doing it perfect. Meditation is about showing up and doing it. And it's it's not going to be perfect. You know, for, for me, 10 years of doing it, there's days where I have beautiful breakthroughs and I have tears, I have visions, and there's days where I just don't want to be doing it. So it's there it gets easier, but I mean there's not a right approach, a wrong approach. It's just it's just doing it, which I know sounds like oh, I wish there was a secret. <laughs> I wish wow. there was like this secret approach, but there's really not and that's you know, it's just the practice of showing up.
0: Absolutely. No, I could not have said it better myself. And in fact, I think back at times when I had started and I was so devoted to like doing it properly and to being a yogi or to being, you know, into doing all these things. And I did have some beautiful moments, I think, because I was so devoted. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Um, And then as time went on, it's like not like the novelty wore off, but like more life had a chance to happen during my meditation. Like more things would happen. Yes. It wasn't all of a sudden this like magical thing that was new and I could explore it. Like there was more of everyday life coming in. Does that make sense? And then I realized yeah. that yeah, it is about just getting into the habit. It is about making the effort. It is about sitting down on the mat or doing whatever it is that you're doing and just making sure that you check in with yourself. And if it's not magical, then it's not magical. But the fact that you sat there mm-hmm. and that like you even are able to say was it magical, was it not or whatever, like that's the practice. That's That's the magic. You know, like that's, but it takes time to get there. It takes going through that woe of like, wow, okay, so that I haven't had a a magical meditation in a really long time. Is that a bad thing? Like, no, I think that those feelings are common. And I actually wanted to go back to what you said when you said um, that some people wrote to you saying that their mala was a token to some really important moments in their lives. Mm -hmm. I really want to explore that a bit because sometimes it sounds weird when we say that meditation helped us through some really difficult times. Can you shine some light on uh, either your experiences or experiences that people have shared with you and how meditation as
1: well has been so uh, how, helpful for them? Yeah, of course. I think that's such a good question. I, I think first, the, the token of a mala represents that moment and time that we get to spend with ourselves. So, you know, people saying this mala helped me through. It really is this mala represents the time that I committed to meet myself. This model represents the time that I took to show up and find space within my body, connect to my higher self, my spirit, my soul, the universe, whatever language you feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing that helps us in meditation to to overcome and to persevere and to find resilience is that we drop into our body and we get to feel more. And usually we're operating so often from this place of analytical and busyness you know, if you can see, you know, if everyone gets see me right now, it's like, imagine all this like movement happening around your head and this energy moving around your head. And you can feel that like when you've had a bunch of coffee, when you've had too much coffee mm-hmm. and you can feel, you feel like you're way up in your head and a little bit jittery. Being able to meditate, we can drop down into our belly. If you just imagine that space, a couple inches below your belly button, we get to drop into, into the space inside of our body, mm-hmm. inside of ourselves. And slow down and watch our thoughts because there's so many of them. And again, the point of meditation is not removing the thoughts because that's that's not a realistic approach. Maybe if you looked at meditation as an opportunity to, to see the thoughts that are coming up and notice like, wow, there's a lot of negative thoughts coming up right now or notice the thoughts and not get hooked by them because as soon as we get pulled by the thought, that's what helps us, you know, that's what spirals us. So it allows us to, witness and not react it allows us to drop in it allows us to connect it allows us to you know maybe if we're in that search for purpose or search for our meaning or search for our potential or whatever it is that that higher calling that we feel pulled to and again replace that with with whatever language sits with you it allows us to get perspective and I think that that perspective is such a gift when we're going through busyness and rather than meeting the busyness with more busyness of our mind, we can meet that busyness or that transition or that life change with calm and grounding and less anxiety, which then results in less reactivity and we can act from a place of love. You know, our head and our heart can connect versus just working from that place of our head and the analytical and overthinking all the time. I hope that makes sense.
0: No, it makes perfect sense. That was beautiful. Yes. <laughs> it sounded... Oh, no, that made perfect sense and I think that's, that's the approach at the end of the day, like you said, it's not about having no thoughts, it's about what you do when the thoughts are there and and mm. just what, what is happening, what you're experiencing, it's not so much... We are so in our brains, right? we are so in our minds, so everything mm. that we do, we evaluate based on how our brain is behaving in that time. Mm. But meditation allows you to kind of step into another aspect of your existence that isn't just your brain. Um, and then when you are in your brain, it's more like a witnessing, like you said, which mm. is so much more helpful. And the creating of space, I think that's the number one thing for for kind of before, during and after anything, uh, you know, a moment of crisis or a moment of distress or just mm. a mundane day um, is, what ha- is how you create the space to be able to acknowledge the moment and, and mm-hmm. actually recognize what's happening, and it's really all it's really just the space at the end of the day. That's I always say I always use the word space a lot as well, and because it's it's what allows for the rest. I don't feel like you can do much else without creating some kind of space in some way in your body and then in your mind mm-hmm. and your heart and all mm-hmm. of that. So I don't know. I think I think what you said was beautiful, and with that it made me think about this is there, there's going to be some overlap, but I but I essentially wanted to unpack it into what you said uh, about being of service and also uh, what we talked about off air about business and finding balance when running a business, but also wanting to maintain the sense of calm, like you said. So there's a lot of overlap into those things, I'm sure, but uh, you can choose which one you'd like to start with the being of service, (laughs) finding a calling and, uh, and then what happens when you have, and you're trying to run a business with it.
1: Of course, of course. so so you know, like I shared, I, I didn't have a business background, so I felt like I was being dragged and pulled by this thing that I didn't totally understand. I didn't feel good enough to be running. And I think oftentimes when we're running a business, we most people, from you know my experience in talking to people, most people aren't able to define what success is for them or what they're running towards. They just know they have to keep going and that they're not there yet. <laughs> And that what they have isn't it. And that there's more, but they can't define no more. So I think that gets us into this trap that our goalpost is always moving and we're always pushing forward, but we haven't defined what we're pushing forward or what we're chasing. And when we haven't defined that, we often take on other people's versions of success. And personally, you know, a few years ago, we had this big, beautiful office, downtown Vancouver. We had organic food delivery and green juice and puppies can come in and visit the office and you know all of those things we're like wow this is really cool <laughs> this is yeah. this is the vision of success and I remember walking to the office one day and thinking oh this isn't it at all I'm so unhappy because I didn't take the moment to realize Ashley why are you doing this what is success for you what is it that you're chasing and I took on everyone else's vision of what success meant and so In that moment, I decided I wanted to go remote with the company. My girlfriend came in, visited the office and said, I love your office. I said, great, would you like it? She said, yes. And she took the office. (laughs) And Within a month, it it all just fell into place that we became a remote company. And, And the reason that's significant as well is because we became remote four years or so before COVID. And before it was normalized as something that was like a thing to do. And I remember people saying to me, are you going remote because your business is going under? Are you going remote because you can't afford it because you're about to close down and and I remember thinking if I wasn't if I wasn't aligned in this decision and if it wasn't deeply connected to my values and me understanding now what my version of success is, I probably would have taken that judgment on and made a different decision. Mm-hmm. But I was so strong in this choice is getting me closer to my values, therefore I'm going to do it. And now four years later, it's normalized. It's something that people celebrate. But if we're following the point of that story is I had to redefine what my version of success was. What is my version of happiness? How can I be in service? How can I be in purpose? Because I I got off track. So now I'm aware I make decisions aligned with my values, which are reflected in the values of the business. To be of service to others and to be in a place of purpose for myself, giving myself space and giving myself time. And my version of success is time. I think a lot of people, uh, if they really dig deep and ask themselves how to define success, it's it's not always money. Mm-hmm. Often, money is just the thing that gets us to the to what we're actually chasing. Yeah. So. I think all of those things are so important. How do you define success? How do you define your values? Why are you chasing what you're chasing? And when you're really sitting in that, in that version of your truth, then you can really be of service because you're not being pulled or dragged by this thing that you're not aligned with. And I don't mean this to sound so woo-woo and alignment uh-huh. with values and purpose, but the alignment just it clicked into a different place because I was in more joy and I was in more happiness and I shifted more to a place of abundance than scarcity because when I wasn't aligned with those values, I was in a place of scarcity, of always chasing. And now when I'm operating the business, it's much more joyous. And I mean, there's still days where there's HR, there's payroll, there's payables, there's re- all these things, logistics. I wouldn't say those things light me up. But now that I understand my values and I'm aligned I could now attract a team that reflects those values. And my team is incredible. They're incredible. And they they lift the vision up of Mala every day. But to attract them, I had to get clear on why I was doing what I, I was doing. And I think a lot of people, we don't have that clarity. And I I'm really grateful. I, I so believe in coaches, which is one of the reasons I've now stepped into that. Is we we know are we know better than anybody else what we want and why we're doing we're doing but sometimes we need a coach to lovingly pull it out of us and reflect it back to us. And so I, I'm really grateful that I could work with some coaches or go to mentors or go to peers, um, maybe take them out for lunch, take them for coffee, or if I financially could invest in a coach, it helped me get clarity. And and if you're not in a place where you can afford those things, just do a gut check of does this feel good? Do I feel um, blind right now? And if you take the moment to write out your values. A lot of people also don't know what their values are. The simplest way to describe it is writing out maybe four to six words that you think your friends would use to describe you right now. Your values are not aspirational. Your values are how you are reflected in this moment. You can set goals that are aspirational, but your values are how you live your life now that are reflected in your actions. Mm -hmm. And so getting clear on values, getting clear on success Um, And knowing that you already know all those things, sometimes we just need people to hold space to, to tease it out of us with love.
0: Yeah. Wow. That I mean you answered every question I, I was going to have. Um, that was No, that was perfect. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it worked out perfectly. <laughs> I almost forgot I was recording. I was like, wow, right, right. <laughs> like, I almost forgot. Um, but no, that was beautiful. I mean, I, there was so much of what you said there. I mean, first of all, the thing about we don't even know what we're chasing because we have this, you know, someone else's version of success. I mean, I think that is such a big thing right? Like it is a huge thing. And I think we're starting to understand the idea of finding your own purpose and living your truth and all that mm-hmm. stuff. That often does sound a little woo-woo. I don't know why though, because mm-hmm. it, it's so true. Like it, it, it does sound a little woo I get it, but it's so true, isn't it? Like finding, that, it, finding mm-hmm. that thing that lights us up or finding that reason why we continue doing what we're doing and you know even when the days are hard and or when the going gets tough, we just continue doing mm-hmm. it. And if someone said, Well, just stop because you're complaining, let's say, and then, like, well, then just stop, we'd be like, mm-hmm. Just stop, that's impossible because you love it. There's a reason why you're doing it, right? Like, have you had that before where you're like, Oh, and I'm having yes. such a bad day, and I'm, well, then so stop? I'm like, yes. No, 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 but I can I mean, what else would I do? This is this is <laughs>
1: yes, I've yeah. definitely had someone say that to me to prove a point. Where I was in this victim mindset, and I was overwhelmed, and I was, oh my god, the business is doing this. I'm having like all these victim statements, and he's like, oh yeah, that sounds really hard. You should just uh, close the business. <laughs> and I thought, what? Well, I couldn't do that. He's like, oh, then you'll figure it out. Yeah, thought, okay, oh, that was that was some good perspective. <laughs> <laughs> it really was because,
0: then, and, and then it seems like this nonsense thing, like, well, then just stop. But what do you mean stop? Like, what what even happens after this if I stop? <laughs>
1: Not As in in not, choice, not you're not, yeah. Absolutely. I think we forget that we're in choice of like, we're the ones creating our life. We can change it. And yes. us walking through that victim mindset is that that's why that comment is so interesting. It's such a pattern interruptive. Why don't you just stop then? Um, Oh, well, I don't want to. Oh, okay. Well then own. own that this is a choice. And I mean, I don't mean that to sound flippant. I I go through mindset of so victim or of, um, those low moments. And sometimes that, that sentence of why you just stop doesn't resonate because <laughs> it's a bit harsh, but it, it definitely, I understand the purpose of it. And I, I do love it. And, um, another one that I, I really love, I, I was complained to my friend about a problem and she, I was like, I just can't figure it out. And she said, Ashley, but if you did know, what would the answer be? And I thought, well, if I did know, I wouldn't call you. <laughs> and she said, Ashley. If you knew the answer, what would it be? If you did know, what would it be? And I thought it was so beautiful yeah, because it was true. just putting it putting it back on me. It was so simple, and I answered immediately. Yeah. And I, I knew the answer, but I was dancing and playing in this area of doubt and complaining and victimhood. And and as soon as the space was held, like hey, you've got it. Just tell me what it is. It was so much easier. So I think it's there's such simple, curious, beautiful approaches to in those difficult questions.
0: Absolutely. I could not agree more. And especially what you said about the, the playing the victim part. Like it doesn't sound flippant. Yes. At least that's not how you mean it. That's not how I mean it. But yes. at some point you do yes. have to get out of the done to me mode and just yes. get get to action, whatever it is. One small step, you know, it doesn't have to be this magical aha moment. It doesn't have to be this epiphany, but just this one step forward in a way where you, like, you're like you in charge mm. of your life, you know, mm-hmm. which obviously is easier said mm-hmm. than done. But you know. Yeah, I love absolutely, that. If you had the absolutely. answer, what would it be? I like that. I <laughs> really yes. looks like it's yes. good thinking, you know? <laughs> yes. really... Yeah, it's powerful. Yeah, no, I love that. And so and so now if if so now in terms of what you do now, I know you talked about it at the beginning a bit, but if someone wants to know a bit more about what you do and how they can find you, how they can connect with you and all of that fun stuff, mm-hmm. uh,
1: how could they do that? Yes, absolutely. So you can you can find us at Mala Collective and we're a small team. So, I mean, we're always responding to people, helping them choose mantras, set intentions, choose crystals, you know, we're there. And for me personally, I'm at Ashley underscore underscore Ray or AshleyRay.co. And I, I really, really love hearing from people. It's such a beautiful, the interactions are so gorgeous. And right now I'm doing... Um, free 20-minute clarity calls with people because I have a few spots left for coaching right now. So, mm-hmm. I mean, please reach out. I love chatting with people. I think it's so beautiful. And so um, it's such a gift to be able to connect with people and to hold a vulnerable space. Like I feel very honored to be able to show up that way for people and to just normalize that we're all feeling the same thing. Even if we're not talking about it, we all feel, you know, we all go through the same sets of emotions just at different times and in different ways. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm really digging that. So please, please reach out if that, if you feel called. That's really
0: great. Thank you so much. And I'm, I'm going to put all of this in the show notes. so Everyone's going to have an opportunity yes. to, uh, to find all of that and link and I'll link everything, but uh, yeah, yes. no, it's beautiful. So thank you so much for being here today, Ashley. Thank you so much. Thank you.